no, they did another YKS. Look out, here comes another Y. Merry Christmas. Hey guys, JF here. Welcome to YKS. Hope you had a good, you know, whatever. Not allowed to say what it is even. And maybe I shouldn't even say I hope it was good. I just hope it was. Okay? Can Is that okay? Are you going to haul me off to the, the well, where, what, what is it Pinocchio goes to? You going to take me to one of them? If I don't say your little, if I don't say the right words, you're going to take me off to Pinocchio Island or whatever? Well, I'm not going. I'm, I got to stay here with my, uh, it was grandpa or whatever it was. Been a while since I've seen Pinocchio, guys, but at the end of the day, it's a holiday and we're all celebrating, huh? Isn't that cool? Um, the nutcracker is going on and there's a rat. What is it? There's a rat guy. And the rat comes in and he says, listen up, everybody, it's time to, uh, well, you know, I guess he's, I guess the way I envision it is everyone is sitting around having a nice time and the rat comes in and he says, you guys are going to have to do an impeachment on me because I'm messing everything up. That's just one. That's the version I saw. That's the version I saw of it is the rat gets impeached in the Nutcracker that I saw. And it was the Daily Show Nutcracker. So perhaps not the best adaptation, but this time of year, if you can say what time of year it is even anymore, you know, that's kind of what you're, uh, you got to deal with. So anyway, thought I would hop on the main feed here and say, uh, we got something special. You know, I'm not going to let the circumstances of the holidays ruin my mood. Okay. So just because this, this, this guy takes his, what is it? A big sleigh and he's messing up my roof. Hey pal, that's, you know what? Those are 30 year dimensional shingles, but, and, and there's gotta be a certain percent percentage of them missing. Okay. Before the insurance company is going to pay to have them redone. Okay, and you're up there doing, what is it you said your job was again? And look, I'm not going to go over this. I'm not going to let that bog me down. I'm going to spread my cheer the only way I know how. And that's by unlocking a very special YKS premium episode for everyone else here on the normal YKS feed. Uh, This was really fun to do. We've been doing this all month. We've been doing... The 12 Davids of Lynchmas, where Mike and I and a few special guests watch a film from the oeuvre of David Lynch, uh, and we talk about them and we say what they're all about. I think one of the things people ask is, what are the movies about? We get into that. Yes, absolutely. We get into what that means. We get into how stupid we are and how smart our guests are. And, uh, and it's a, it's fun. People are enjoying it. Uh, if you haven't listened to YKS premium before, then this is not what it's like normally. It's not normally informative. Some of the stuff we talk about is a little more serious. I guess serious is not a good pitch on this, but if you've seen David Lynch stuff, you know what it's like. It's weird. And sometimes there's some stuff going on. You got to talk about 
Uh, so Mike and I have enjoyed doing that and learning from our friends. Uh, and we've got another one coming. So, anyways, that's what this is from. This is from the 12 Davids of Lynchmas. You're going to be listening to that in just a second. And as a reminder, as always, if you'd like to listen to the remainder of the 12 Davids of Lynchmas, uh, the ones that you will not be hearing right after this include Eraserhead, which was fun. We did that with our friend Oliver Leach, uh, Vacoon on Twitter. Um, we also did Twin Peaks Fire Walk with me with the wonderful Mark Brendel, uh, who has done some uh, work for us here on the show with the music that you hear at the end of the episode. Um, and then coming up, we've got we've got another great one that we've still got to uh, we've got to record, and that will be the film Blue Velvet. So that'll be fun. I uh, look forward to that. In the meantime, uh, you can of course listen to this for free. Hey, this one, you know, the first one's free. Whatever that was that we said, and uh, this one is going to be none other none other than our friends from Struggle Session. Jack Allison and Leslie Lee the Third. They're going to join us, and they are going to discuss uh, Mulholland Drive, which was a fun one. Uh, that's that was that was cool to talk about. If you haven't uh, seen the movie, I suggest watching the movie. Cue it up, watching the background. What the hell else are you doing? Fixing your roof? Probably not. Uh, but there's a lot of other stuff over on YKS Premium as well. Not just serious film stuff with smart people and me and Mike. We got a bunch of other goofy shit over there too. So check it out on Patreon. If you don't mind five bucks a month, you know, the whole thing. Okay. I'll let you get back to your apple cider. Your, uh, Oh God. A candy cane. I don't know. We don't have a lot of traditions over here. That's what we're doing in 2020 guys. We're inventing new traditions for Christmas. I mean, holidays. Oops. Anyways, thanks for a great year. Here's to approximately three to four more of them. And then I guess we can just kind of flood out into space, you know, forever. Do whatever happens in space. All right, guys. See you in 2020. Welcome to YKS Premium, JF and DB here, um, bringing you back in for another edition of the 12 Davids of Lynchmas, the thing we thought of uh, in one second, and has taken significantly more time to not only figure out, but also do, Mike, don't you think? Yeah, but it's a labor of love, JF. It's something we care very deeply about and we're super invested in mm-hmm. and it's for, it's for at the end of the day it's for the fans it's not for us so it really doesn't matter what we think about it so basically what you're saying is honestly what we should do is if there's a mud puddle in the street we should get down and lay in it we should waller and let the fans walk all over yeah. us is what you say we should do yeah well, I'm into it. I'm ready to get up on my cross for this episode uh, and really have a bad time with it today. Fill me with, riddle me with bullets. 
That's what I'm here for. Yeah, that's all I'm good for, honestly. I'm just a bag of meat, you know. Every, all the fans walk lining up with a fucking a big stick in their hand to give us a whack right in the gut. Right. And we thank him for it. Like Game of Thrones. You remember the episode of Game of Thrones? Mm. The guy, he says, let me, let, me, let me try to bring you back to this. This was a few years ago. The main Game of Thrones guy said, listen up. Listen, I think he said, listen up, you motherfuckers. Yeah. I think is what he said. It's a big fucking wall over there, you know? And we got to do something. We have, we're, we, okay. Got to get over the fucking wall. We need a big ladder or whatever. I didn't watch the show. He goes, goes, let me start again. Hang on. I feel like I'm losing (laughs) some of you. Okay. Hang on. I see a couple of you at the edges walking away and (laughs) kind of ambling around doing. They all line up and they, yeah, they stab him in the belly. Yeah. And then he goes, <sighs> you know, that's, kinda, that's podcasting and that's podcasting in a nutshell right there, baby. Um, we do need a lot of help with these movies cause we're very stupid. We're not educated. Um, and, uh, we've, we've got a great corral of people coming on to, uh, save us from the stabs of our listeners and help us to understand what we have done, what we've done wrong and how we can do better in the future. Uh, today we've got two guys I like very much. Um, they're from the fabulous uh, podcast Struggle Session. Um, Jack, Allison, and Leslie Lee the Third. Hello, guys. Hey, hey there. What's going on? Well, we we decided to put on our little hats and become mm-hmm. cultural critics. You guys are filmers now. You have uh, gone from gamers to filmers. You are making your filmer, you know, your first foray into being filmers. And, uh, you know, honestly, you know, we are, you know, pretty experienced filmers. Leslie, when you say I I would say that, you know, we're pretty experienced. I would say that I'm a hardcore filmer. When you look at the Struggle Session podcast and how it's growing, uh, it seems almost like the marketplace was already kind of full when you guys decided to do um, 12 episode miniseries uh-huh. yeah. about um, the films of David Lynch. Um, it's just kind of interesting to me that you would go ahead and decide to do that mm-hmm. because I don't know what this has to do with Kickstarter. Uh, right, yeah. I'm not really sure like if this is something that you really know about or care about or if you just saw some other people having success mm-hmm. and then you invite them on to further boost, their, um, yeah. boost your credentials in this space which you have no business of being in. Well, the way... If I if I could one point yeah we one point here we. much like the films of David Lynch I would say this doesn't have a point and it doesn't need to have a point right it's more of a our tour type of, yeah yeah type of thing this is on tour podcasting this is on tour podcasting and also the other thing is. is is we're not even doing twelve days so the, yeah. the, one of the other common themes of these these Lynch uh, movies is not everything is as it seems yeah so oh while, wow so while we promise on the front twelve Davids of Lynchmas you're thinking to yourself okay twelve Davids the twelve days twelve episodes obviously that's what they're doing yeah a- anything short of that would be Sort of a dereliction of duty, quite kind frankly. Of a rip off to yeah. the people yeah. who are paying for the right. episodes, right? right. Absolutely false advertising, yeah. you know, false advertising. People could probably, to be totally honest with you, mm-hmm. do a chargeback on, like, they <laughs> okay. could get in contact with their credit <laughs> right. card company and legitimately do a chargeback for something like Let's that. Not give people ideas about <laughs> what to do. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, I uh, forget what we were talking about, but <laughs> we thought it would be fun to do this and, and get some. We're trying to 
what I've been trying to do lately is I've been trying to make my life better because mm-hmm. it's very bad. And mm-hmm. I think one aspect of that, you know, you got the physical, right? Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to be, I'm going to be eating yep. better. I'm going to be hitting the gym. I'm going to try to improve mm-hmm. myself. And maybe this, maybe some, and I don't know what they are. Maybe some of the chemicals will go into my head and make me feel mm-hmm. better. I've yeah, heard about endorphins, this. endorphins. Oh, so yeah. you've heard about this too. <laughs> yes. I hear about that. People talk about the runner's high. I don't believe in it. I don't think it's real or exists. I uh, like the, I, I, you know what I like is uh, the getting high high. That's what <laughs> I talk high about. High. Is uh, the podcast the one. That's, high. The, that's the one. <laughs> uh, yeah, the runner's high. I've never had, but uh, there's many other ones, and those ones are definitely real. I don't know. <laughs> right. Uh, right. Yeah, the the other ones are so good that they'll mm-hmm. kill you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I yeah. Mean, yeah. No, not all running of them. Can't, running cannot honestly be that good. <laughs> it the runner's be. high can't be. There's not like flop houses where people are like <laughs> running around the house like all day. <laughs> like just running up and down stairs like they've given up their life to just run, run, run. <laughs> Oh, that's uh, yeah. As far as I know, that's true. But if there were, if they, if those did exist, I wouldn't know what they were. Maybe I we would, don't know. A Maybe running know. den is somewhere in the bowels of Brooklyn, right? We now. may yeah. be honestly be describing a gym. I might be describing <laughs> a, a oh, gym. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's true. <laughs> My gym uh, that I have only recently started going to, um, and get more out of saying that I go to a gym than I do actually going to the gym. I think, but mm. the one I've been going to, it's for it's a civic center, so it's for old people so yeah so i go there in the middle of the day when it's like just octogenarians like oh yeah barely pushing on the little pedal cart or something just to stay alive like that's just what they have to do (laughs) to even just be alive right so they're not getting anything out of like you know it's like a the only way to get blood to pump like one full cycle (laughs) for the day you know what i mean you need to do one pump you need to do one single pump (laughs) for the day (laughs) but that's the physical part of it but the mental part of it is i feel like wow when's the last time i fucking read a book when's the last time I watched something that wasn't a big robot smashing into another robot. I got to get, mm-hmm. I got to get out of my comfort zone a little bit and start learning some stuff, you know, get a little bit of culture get and, a little yeah, bit and of culture. And so for you to get those endorphins, to get that good feeling, you decided to watch the films of David Lynch yeah, to take you out of your existential crisis. Mm, I know you decided yeah. to jump into the films of David Lynch. What have you watched already? So, uh, we, so this is the second one we're doing out of question mark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. T- TBA. Yeah. We'll mm-hmm. see. Um, but we have done uh, 12 though, right? It's going to be 12 <laughs> is what you're saying. You think <laughs> from the title. certainly no one could fault you for thinking that. <laughs> yeah. Um, we, uh, we did, uh, last week we did a racer head, um, with our friend Oliver okay. Leach, uh, Bakun on Twitter. And that one was, um, Pretty straightforward. Got it. (laughs) Over and done with. You're joking, but in comparison, I think that is true. That's part of what I was going to say is that for all of its, for all of Eraserhead's allegory, for all of its mystique, for all of its uh, real tangible, like horror aspects or whatever, I at least could sit down and go, oh, yeah. You know, maybe I didn't, maybe it wasn't my favorite thing in the whole world, but I, but I understood, I was like, okay, I can kind of see what's going on here, but but being able to do that with this week's movie, and I guess now we should say what it is this week, 
Um, we had uh, we had all the boys we had all the boys sit down in their separate corners of the world and and plop on the couch with a big bowl of popcorn. Okay, um, oh yeah, this is a popcorn flick. This is a popcorn <laughs> flick. Um, but hey, uh, put a, put a couple of here's a, here's a here's a cool thing. I actually like to put a couple of M and M's in the popcorn. That's nasty. Ooh, yum. You really think that's nasty? I don't like it. You think that's nasty? I don't like it. Some of the stuff that goes in your mouth and quite frankly out of your mouth. <laughs> that's what you think is nasty okay good to know uh mulholland what drive like kettle is, corn you just don't like any sort of sweet with with popcorn uh, yeah. or so you sweet, don't like kettle corn sweet, either sweet and savory i don't i don't not fuck, sort don't of into popcornopolis yeah. not a popcornopolis oh, guy is good. i never understood the the, pl- the place is that a place at the mall or something i never yeah, popcornopolis yeah. is a sort of only popcorn based uh store that sells different <laughs> popcorn flavors popcornopolis yeah. is the place i don't know if this is exactly true but i feel like this is holistically true mm-hmm. they sell like zebra popcorn and it means that there's a big tube of popcorn for eight dollars and a half that they drizzle chocolate and white chocolate on yeah and i don't know if that's exactly right but I think yeah. that is what it is that's exactly is that what it is that is exactly right i feel like that's exactly right oh it's so good though and it's good as hell i like that kind of stuff (laughs) sweet and savory i'll take it Leslie, do you have any thoughts on sweet and savory before we get to uh, the main Sweet event? and savory is fine. I'm not sure about this popcornopolis yeah. um, place. I think they ran out of stores to put into the mall around like 2003. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, we, what we got now. I haven't been in a mall in a while, but apparently like they're just phoning um, it in right now. They are. There's a, there's a place here. In fact, there's two places. And I know Mike hasn't been to the mall over here in a while either, but... There are there are two places up here now on separate they, sides. They opened up a sarcophagus store. <laughs> like we don't even. <laughs> Who's keeping that open? Yeah. <laughs> they are though. They are like gold. They're like gold places, but not gold jewelry. Mm. They're like gold. Like you put it on you. I guess is what it is. It's like gold. Like this makeup oh, has like gold flakes in it, or it's like a gold. Oh, that kind of shit. Like where there's gold in the um, like the lotion. Yeah. Yes. Gold flakes. Okay. Oh. I don't know. I don't know what that is. I I I try not to hold the stores in our mall over here against it too much because. A few years ago, when um, the Nashville area had their big 100-year flood, um, the mall was completely flooded, and uh, the aquarium restaurant in there, uh, they left all of the fish in there, and they ate each other to death. Oh, Oh, no. Because they couldn't get to the fish. And how cruel is that? Because the the fish, the whole place flooded, so they just were able to just come right out of their... They're, 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 you know, separate tanks. They just were like, well, now it's all water. And, you know, go over and eat I, that one. I don't know. Over there. But, but how ironic is it? You know, yeah. I mean, you think, hey, give these guys a bunch of water. They can't get enough of this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and it turns out to be their demise. You know what? Some, some poor fish learned the lesson of be careful what you wish for. That's exactly uh, right. Some fish was in there wishing upon a star every night. Oh, I wish there'd be more water in here. I wish, I wish. <laughs> Oh, that's sad. And the food's not good there either. But that's sure. for another show. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll talk about that on the third episode of the 12 Davids of Lynchmas when we do our big aquarium restaurant review. <laughs> um, but for this week, uh, I asked you guys to take on the, I would say, chore um, of watching the extremely uh, long sort of pseudo neo-noir movie uh, from 2001, Mulholland Drive. This one's got uh, Naomi Watts in it, who you remember 
from being the gal what falls in love with King Kong in one of the movies. <laughs> it's uh, also David got, Lynch told her to take that role, by the way. Is that true? Yes, that's one hundred percent true. She called him up and asked him about it, and he was he just told her like. If you're going to be in a film with King Kong, you'll be a legend forever in Hollywood. <laughs> I kind of agree, actually. Wow. I kind of agree. Like, I would, you know, I, I wouldn't love to be to do Kong Skull Island, but I wouldn't turn down uh, the opportunity to appear alongside uh, King Kong. You say any woman that appears in Kong's uh, grip is a Hollywood legend. A legend. I like yeah. that. Yeah. That's kind of cool. But really, I mean... Kong steals the show in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, we're all just, he's just acting circles around oh, the rest yeah. of them. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, th- th- so it's also got uh, Justin Theroux in it, who I mm. maybe other people know him from other stuff. I know him from having a big penis, but mm-hmm. I don't, I've never seen the show where he does he has have the big, the big penis, penis. But I just know, yeah. I've heard that he has a big penis in the show, which is so good. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah, um, he, uh, you know, I have seen that show and he absolutely does. He really does have a, a, a big old, a big old penis there. Very Got a hammer cool. on him? What show is this? <laughs> that's, he's packing a hammer. Leftovers, leftovers. Yeah. So that's what and, that uh, show is about? It's, yeah. It's about <laughs> yeah. him hanging dong. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, and let's see, who is, is, who else is in there? There's one other person in here that I uh, knew, but now I've forgotten. who. Oh, it's Billy Ray Cyrus is in this as well. Yes. <laughs> that was the other one that I knew uh, in this. Um, and this, the, what I wanted, what I set out to do initially was sort of, um, I don't want to say summarize the plot, but I at least wanted to hit some points of it that I feel like we could come back to and talk about some little bullet points or whatever. And the <laughs> truth is I was so overwhelmed by the process that I completely scrapped it. So I thought maybe we could just start out by saying, because this movie is such a freaking mind fuck. <laughs> okay. I, Absolutely twisted, trippy movie. Okay. Trippy well, movie. Well, let, me, let me say the best word I've come up with to describe it. And I think I'm one of the first people who ever uh, has said this about the film. And it's that it's a very... Lynchian film. And of course, I'm referencing oh, oh yeah. um, director David Lynch, who happened to direct okay. this movie. Okay. Okay, yeah. Very yeah. Lynchian. Lynchian, yeah. Yes, that does. Saying that now, I wish I had, honestly, I wish I had heard that going into the movie. <laughs> and it might have informed a little more what the, some of the stuff I saw <laughs> unfolding on the screen. Yeah. Um, but I thought maybe we could just say, because it is so difficult for me to understand what the linear progression of this is to the extent that there is one i thought maybe we could just say one thing we knew for sure happened in the movie right okay. one thing we know for one sure happened. Know for sure happened yeah what is one thing that we know for certain happened <laughs> that actually happened that actually yeah. did have not something we saw happen but something okay. that we we feel like coming away from it the truth of this is that this occurred that's okay. what i okay. thought we could I, start out with i think the main that one that you can hang your head on is that Diane Selwyn blew her brains out. That definitely happened. Even though we see it happen right. in this really weird mystical way, and she's haunted by the ghosts of two old people who are maybe yeah. her parents or maybe judges in mm-hmm. a doo-wop contest that she mm-hmm. met once. Or we, we were not really sure, um, but she definitely, definitely killed herself. I mean, look, I, I honestly think that everything that happens 
after Diane wakes up at her apartment, sort of in the third act of the movie, right. does reflect reality. You know yeah. what I mean? I think that everything from that point forward does reflect the actual reality of what was happening in this world. Um, and so I think everything from that point, you know, her going to the party, uh, um, you know, her telling her like a uh, backstory and everything like that. Like, I think that all is reality. Um, and then, you know, I agree with Leslie that, you know, she, she killed herself or, you know, uh, uh, otherwise died. And that's a sort of, you know, uh, uh, I guess, you know, symbolic way of showing it uh, in that classic. And uh, Leslie, how is it that you put it again? <laughs> Lynchian, Lynchian, uh, Lynchian sort of style. <laughs> yeah, that that does make sense. I, that's, I, that's one of the most that's one of the popular interpretations, right? That, that everything is a dream or whatever. Right. But that's like a fucking classic to me, like a Lynch thing to, it's very Lynchian to, so you're on this train as well. You're feeling this a little bit. (laughs) Everybody's like, Oh, that was a dream or whatever. But I feel like, I don't know. It's, 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 I don't want to say it's like easy to, to do that, but I feel like it's like, uh, I don't want to say it's a cop out, but like a, sure. it's like oh, you're it, nothing matters. It, it was well, all look, fucking dream. But I, but, right. I, but I do think this. I do think this. Uh, I love this movie. I really do love Mulholland Drive. Uh, uh, and I, you know, I've loved this movie for for many many years. I actually do remember when I was a teenager getting into a really big argument, like an actually like voice raised argument with my mom uh, because she like vehemently did not think that the first part of the movie was a dream, and I like vehemently did believe that it was wow and we got in like a huge fight <laughs> with each other about it where i was like you don't understand like what happened in the movie or whatever uh, yeah. uh and look you know uh, uh this thing that you said about like you know that makes nothing matter or whatever uh, uh look i i do think that it was all a dream is you know popularly uh, uh a, a stereotype of a cop-out ending for a reason yes. but that's because of like lazy storytelling in like short stories and in television shows and stuff like that where it it just legitimately was a cop out where right. it just legitimately is like we don't know how we're going to get ourselves out of this situation that we've set up so it's just a dream or whatever this movie you know this dream uh, uh first of all is beautifully executed and really really does feel dreamlike in a way you know i honestly feel like the the dream sequences in sopranos are kind of like the only other like dream sequences i've liked quite as much and have felt quite as much like dreams mm-hmm. um but what i think is really interesting about this movie is that, you know, in this is Lynch trying to write a dream, trying to like look at what someone's psychology is and like build out this character, you know, in, you know, in such a full uh, uh, way that he could like create a new world based on like her desires and dreams and everything like that. And we could like get all of that, uh, uh, you know, ostensibly by watching the dream. You know what I mean? I, I do. I love this movie and I really do love uh, that it's a dream. And I think that, you know, it's a, it's a kind of interesting look at what dreams are it's very it's very it's very lynchian (laughs) (laughs) the 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 dreamlike aspect of it it does come through because of uh little things like the dialogue and and the way that Mm -hmm. and i I was thinking about that while watching the film i've seen it before but i was thinking about that while watching the film again um about how the the dialogue is kind of someone will will talk and then there's a like a, a pause and then it's mm-hmm. like just it's that doesn't happen in like i guess real life it's or in life yeah so you think you, i was kind of thinking about like the the filming of that and and his direction with the actors um trying to say like all right now you 
now you're going to talk, but you're going to talk all fucked up or something. Right. <laughs> and that's how it comes across. It comes across as like a dream because it's no, nothing is no, no, nothing is actually like that in real life. And there's even yeah. more soul touches, too, because there's some lines in it that are overdubbed for no real reason. Like the scene where she's saying goodbye to the old lady at the airport. It seems like very weird and over the top in part because they redubbed the lines like kind of poorly, not so poorly that you'll notice immediately, but poorly enough where you'll notice that something is kind of off about the scene and it, do- it, scene and it doesn't really seem real. And there's mm-hmm. also like different places where sounds that you expect things to make aren't made correctly. Like during the hitman scene where he kills um, the like woman that's next door, like when she crashes into the bookcase, the bookcase like screeches at her yeah. mm-hmm. in- instead of like just it being like, you know, books falling over or whatever. So on several levels, like Lynch really bi- unsettles us during this first part of the movie. That's why I do think it is a dream, but it's a dream that matters because what he's really just telling us is who Diane is through her dream. All these characters are very various facets of Diane, of her fears, of her desires, of her guilt, um, most importantly. And so the dream does matter because it's the kind of the key to who Diane is. Mm-hmm. Look, I, I actually think, you know, if we're talking about dream sequences, you know, being cheap, I'm like, this is one of the like most earned, I think, dream sequences in anything like this is a dream sequence where, you know, he was building it to be a, a, a dream sequence, you know, uh, well, um, we don't necessarily know if that's true. Well, because he was making it as a pilot yeah, TV yeah. show. So right. look, that is that, a thing. This was a pilot uh, uh, for a sort of Twin Peaks like television show. Uh, um, but, you know, we don't know what the fuck that would have been. And we, and we only the film exists. You know what I mean? And so like this, you know, this piece as it exists is like, you know, what he ended up creating. Yeah, but uh, I think that's uh, really this. interesting, uh, really like key to understanding the film, because most of that first part aside from the relationship, the sexual relationship, because that wasn't in the pilot, was, you know, part of this pilot that was going to be an ongoing mystery. And then he had to come up with an ending. And we get that ending where um, we find out that it's all, you know, this very dark dream of this woman who's killed herself, that she was in during the dream. They were in a sexual relationship. They weren't just friends. So I think the way that this film was crafted, where it started as one thing, and then became this drastically different thing, like really increases my appreciation uh, for it because it ends up being um, pretty all together uh, by the end. Yeah, it does. It, it, I, at the very end, I, I felt like I was like, Oh, I, I, that was the, the I guess that makes sense. Though at the end is where you, you come the closest to understanding what was going on. Yeah, I guess that yeah. makes a certain amount of sense. Yeah. Look, in some ways, I'm like, I actually do think that is, you know, you said that compared to Eraserhead, this was like far more confusing. Mm -hmm. I actually think, you know, this is intended to be confusing. It's intended to be a mystery. And that's even how it was sort of marketed. That's what like the DVD packaging all included was like the keys to figuring out the mystery and all this kind of stuff. But in the end, I actually do think this is... Maybe it's like more straightforward, I think, I think, than Eraserhead. Like this is like, I think in some ways it is because I'm like, this is a story about like, you know, what it's like to try to make it in Hollywood and sort of like the inner mind of someone in Hollywood and jealousy and all this kind of stuff. Actors are. 
how fucked up actors are and, you know, what their desires are and everything like that. And then we like, you know, cut out of that and then see what reality is. I like, I actually think that like, you know, uh, uh, having a dream and then waking up, I'm like, I, that to me is more straightforward than what goes on in a racer head <laughs> when he like goes to the neighbor's house and the chicken is dancing and stuff like that, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. I think, um, that's interesting. I, maybe part of that reflects our separate, uh, just the how different you and I are and how different sure. our lives are you mm-hmm. having more you're you're you are probably a lot more able uh to pull something relatable out of sure those interactions that that all i mean essentially all the characters are having the downward pressure exerted by either studio people or powerful people these mysterious forces that are that are are controlling the director's life uh the big cocked guy and uh all of these other relationships that do seem uh predicated on what you can get out of them and that kind of thing mm-hmm. that that is certainly something that you maybe have more experience with than I do whereas with Eraserhead like we were talking about uh with Oliver last week as uh, as ethereal as it is, as like abstract as it is, I did. I the lizard part of my brain was able to identify with the the very very serious and like very common anxieties of being a father and being responsible for for sure another yeah. uh, another like a the the fragility of life and that kind of stuff like that that I was able to pick out of that even hmm. maybe if I didn't. I guess I, I'm, I'm maybe I'm not as good as art, at, at articulating it, but I recognize something in that. Whereas in mm-hmm. this movie, there's just so much I just simply do not recognize at all that it's hard to draw around it to, to anything to me that's like that's that's coherent. I mean, the the thing that sticks out. Well, the, the, the Jesse, older let, let the, me let me tell yeah. you something because you, you you're a country boy like me, right? That's right. <laughs> yeah, and I've been to LA with these these fancy lads and Jack showed me oh, around. Oh boy, like, the thing to understand is that everybody in Los Angeles is out of their fucking minds, and that's what <laughs> David Lynch has said with this film as well True. as uh, Inland Empire, and that's kind of what he's getting at. You know, he started off in kind of like the Pacific Northwest and the Midwest with you know Twin Peaks and other stuff and then he spent a little bit of time in LA he made that fucking Dune movie um, with a bunch of you know a bunch of you know creeps and you know uh, sexual predators having to work for them work for a big studio and then he started making stuff like uh, this in Inland Empire which is just basically saying that all of Los Angeles is just a living um, nightmare and you, sh- you there's no escape from it but death yeah, and that sounds good. I mean, <laughs> but the thing is, you don't die. You don't die. That's the problem. Yeah. That's you what just, I was. Yes, that's what, what I was. What a happy left with. ending this film is. What a, what a happy ending for the film that she no longer has to live with all of this. <laughs> yes, that's what I really want. That was sort of my last thought when I turned uh, the movie off. Is like, uh, like you're saying, yes, okay. The 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 dream part of that is there for a reason we're characterizing the person we're supposed to be interested in this movie the ending of it does seem a little more concrete than the rest of the stuff but because of the the little things like uh the the box um with the key and that sort of seems to be the point at which we're swapping i guess maybe not realities but we're swapping like points of view at that point or whatever and the sort of cyclical nature that the way the movie is put together made me think, like, is this just sort of like a uh, 
uh, what is it that Catholics think that the uh, the uh, the babies go to? What are they? Purgatory. 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 Yeah. <laughs> is this sort of like a weird purgatory place where this stuff? She's not. It's not really over because she wasn't really what we thought she was the whole time. And that's the, when I, when I turned it off, I was like, ugh, I got a weird, I would like to have things end at a certain point. <laughs> you, I, you're uh, looking for the resolution, resolution to, to, to things. And that's what yeah. David Lynch likes not having a resolution. I don't like that. He, he likes having loose ends and he likes keeping, cause uh, one of the things about like a uh, twin peaks or whatever is like, uh, you have all these different avenues and like, he doesn't resolve a lot of things. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of fucking problems with that show as you guys know but he doesn't fucking resolve stuff and you're you're like constantly like okay well what's the ending to this and what's the what's the <laughs> mm-hmm. point of this and there's not a lot of times there's no point yeah so you know i, I think life. that you, you know it, it's it's like uh, i think though that with you know uh uh with david lynch versus someone more like a mystery box storyteller like a lindelof or something like that is i do think that lynch actually does have sort of intention behind all the choices that he's making. Like, I don't think he's trying to do this kind of sleight of hand to keep you interested. I think he is trying to, like, express something and be opaque about it. Uh, And he's not necessarily trying to lead you directly to what he's trying to say. uh, uh, And he wants it to be open to interpretation and everything like that. But I do think that it's less... uh, I do think that it's more substantive than the kind of mystery boxing uh, that, you know, Lynch actually frankly inspired you know what i mean like it really is like twin peaks and lynch style storytelling you know that has inspired you know the lindelof lost diverse or whatever (laughs) which just takes the kind of like surface level mysteriness of it without the kind of like Mm -hmm. yeah i would say like artistic intent and uh intelligence maybe (laughs) although they did end up in purgatory though (laughs) that is true that is true and wasn't that kind of neat everybody was there and it was like oh we were doggy it was nice to see everybody together it I was like cool that. yeah and whenever <laughs> what was, hey what's walt's powers and what, what the fuck what was, in the, what was in the hatch what was in the hatch never found uh out. i think it was that guy some guy was in the house oh. it was richard hatch it was he was down there um yeah th- this was uh th- the one like so you're right about when, when you say he, he's not leading you toward it that's for sure and mm-hmm. maybe it's not speci- he maybe he's not specifically uh, trying to lead you away from where you're supposed to go. But I feel like there are enough detours that it has to be a conscientious effort on his part to say there's a lot going on and some of it doesn't have anything to do with what you're here for. And what I'm what I like, here's one thing that I, I don't I don't understand. What's the deal with the guy with the little creepy man out in behind the damn diner? What the hell is that guy? <laughs> okay, so you know, there's a couple of ways to interpret it. Oh, one interpretation I read is the guy is just you know some guy that Diane met um, once and saw in the background, and she gives him you know this whole life and this big problem that he has uh, to face that kind of mirrors her own problem with the fact that she like had her girlfriend uh, killed. And mm-hmm. but the thing to you know kind of the larger thing is it is this film is um, very uh, discursive, right? 
is use is going from subject to subject from place to place, much like a dream would be. If you're in a mm-hmm. dream, you don't right. stay on one scene, just focus necessarily on you the whole time. You might become someone else. You might be doing someone else. It will ha- might have nothing to do with the other part of the dream. The only difference between you know you know your dream and something like Mulholland Drive, Mulholland Drive is that it's also recursive. So we loop back uh, to the main characters instead of just this endless array of random scenes. So he'll give us a random scene back to main story, random nightmare scene back to main uh, story. So it, in a way, he's is I don't know, if, I wouldn't really call it a cheat. Uh, that is just not a, one big, long, nightmarish thing, which I think Eraserhead is more like. This, yes. he kind of mixes the two, you know, a, a really traditional narrative style with um, these uh, horrific vignettes and nightmares that still tie back into the psyche of Diane in one way or another. Yeah, I, I think also Leslie, you make an interesting point uh, uh, when you mention how uh, uh, you know this this person's uh, um, you know a story sort of parallels uh, uh, Diane's, uh, uh, and I think that that's a very important point. You know, we see this person this uh, behind you know the the diner, you know, uh, uh, and I think it's also you know on the very surface level, it's about like how Los Angeles discards people and how Los Angeles doesn't care about discarding people and how everybody's alone and like in some ways, like you know, this is like. You know, uh, um, she sees herself in this yes. person who she maybe just saw in passing one time. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? This person who is completely abandoned by everybody, isolated in Los Angeles, uh, uh, just like wretched and alone. Uh, you know, maybe she saw this person briefly and sort of extrapolated all this. But I do think that dreamlike, it's very much meant to, like, create a parallel uh, to Diane and, you know, sort of draw out this larger thing of just sort of like in, how inhumane. Uh, and cruel uh, uh, life in in Hollywood and entertainment is. Yeah. And then when the guy saw him, he died. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) How like Diane? How like Diane? Right. (laughs) Right. You know, I I saw Knives Out this weekend. Sure. Um, And since it's not 20 years old, I won't say anything that happens in it. Um, but I know that uh, I know Jack at least doesn't like the idea or seems to at times not have liked the idea that saying what happens in the movie uh, takes away from enjoyment of the movie. But I think maybe with Knives Out, it is a pretty strong case. That, I'm not a spoiler. I'm not a spoiler freak. But, right. You know, uh, yeah, you could make the argument that a whodunit movie is not the best thing to uh, <laughs> to talk about. I don't know that one. I, I, of course, could talk about it, but <laughs> sure that that one to me. Um, I, 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 it's just a, such a huge contrast for me in terms of I walked out of that movie and it's never been a part of my my movie going skill set to know what's going on. That's always <laughs> been something I've had a problem with, even with sure. just like. He walks in, he sits down, he starts drooling immediately. <laughs> the colors flash on his face. Right. And an hour later, he's like, good movie. Yeah. And goes home. <laughs> That I just I always I always have to ask my wife what happened. Uh, she always has to explain everything to me, and I just can't. I think I just can't hold that many pieces of information in my head at the same time. But sure. there was a point at Knives Out where I kind of went, "Aha!" And I wasn't. First of all, I wasn't even right, but I at least felt like I understood what was going on because it's it's so much different than this, and that it does it does misdirect on purpose. 
it does hold your hand down wherever it wants you to go. There is like there's a defined endpoint of the movie where you know the real things that happened contra the things that you thought happened but did sure. not happen or whatever. And I walked out of it going, you know what? Maybe I can watch movies pretty good. <laughs> and then I sit down with this and I go, fuck, I'm back on so the you, bench. So, so you liked you liked Knives Out because it made you feel like you're good at watching movies? <laughs> I, now, hang on now. Hang on. Maybe there a, is, maybe, I, I'm trying to understand that. That maybe is an appeal is like a type of movie that makes people feel like, yeah, I understood that movie. I think so. Yeah, I think I think the illusion of. The illusion of knowing something, thinking that sure. you know something before you're supposed to know something is intoxicating for a lot of people, I think. Sure. Uh, now, look, I, I mean, this I, is I, what, I would even say this is all Lindelof is career is based on because right. is what that what loss was, was a bunch of people trying to figure out the end before the uh, theorizing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, that's what that's what drove the fandom behind that show and gave him like all this success and fame and accolades because he was able to create these bullshit memory mysteries that people did figure out on a regular basis. And then he just like changed them when he changing them. Yeah, right. (laughs) Right. Now, look, uh, uh, Knives Out is very different tonally. I don't love the tone of Knives Out and I'm not going to spoil anything about the movie. But I in comparing even Mulholland Drive and Knives Out, I would even say that the themes of Knives Out are stated so explicitly right. in that movie like even even you know without talking about you know the the actual mystery that takes place in the movie and honestly i would say a like a kind of contrived resolution to it but even when you look at like the themes of the movie they're said so explicitly to the back row of the theater and i'm just like i don't know i i guess sometimes i like to watch things that like allow me to think a little bit you mm-hmm. know that allow me to like participate in in the work you know what i mean i i, I you know and i understand wanting to just let things like wash over you but i uh, uh it just strikes me and whenever like in, in knives out i was just like a little bit like okie dokie yeah you just like set it straight up like you know uh, right. all of the themes that we could have been left to draw conclusions about ourselves like you just said directly and so there we are it's all good <laughs> i think the yes i the, to me one of the i i guess what you're probably talking about are part of what you're talking about is and this doesn't i don't think this really is influential on the plot uh, in any way that people would find troublesome but there are there's some stuff that's like there's like explicit racism in the movie sure and it's it is like you said it's like maybe if you said it one time i think people who are like looking at their watch or whatever could be like oh i think sure. i heard something that was racist yeah. and that and now i'm kind of like getting the tone of this but so look there's there's like yeah. two or 3 minutes like straight of the racism and i'm like okay right. even i am getting it now, <laughs> listen, I, I i was like i was like look i think if you set up the plot the way that it was and you have all the things occur that way that we would that theme thematically we would still kind of understand that this is about you know in some way, mass migration, I guess, right. is what he's trying to make it about or something like that. But this movie, and I think actually there is a great moment of sort of just uh, in Knives Out of to- of like showing and not telling uh, 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 about racism where they like call her over to like talk about like going to school or something like that. And one of the people just thought like without thinking of it, hands her a plate, hands her an <laughs> right. empty plate. Yes. I was like, that is good, actually. Yes. But when a character at the end of the movie is outright saying like, you're coming here to steal my birthright or whatever i'm like 
All right, Ryan. I fucking get it, dude. We maybe, fucking yeah. get it. Like <laughs> maybe a little bit much. I mean, and again, like another movie that I thought maybe further along on the scale of stuff that I think I kind of got, but probably didn't get all of, was Parasite. Which they do that, and they do a lot more showing. Yeah, hundred percent in that movie. Um, that's a movie that is like that has themes that are tied to our real world, right. but that's more concerned just with telling its story. Like it has a, it, it, like what Bong Joon-ho did was like, come up with a story that's based on things that are happening in our world. And so naturally like those themes are going to come up, but like it, Ryan kind of was like, I want to do like a classic murder mystery thing. And what if I want to do it with these themes? Like how would those, you know what I mean? And right. it kind of ends up just being like, uh, it's not so natural. And and it ends up feeling a little bit like I don't know like a like a like honestly like a cartoon like a like a Saturday morning cartoon mm. when they are outright saying the themes like that right and a lot of those cartoons are actually pretty good yeah it's true it's true actually <laughs> I don't mind those cartoons right you got what what is it pound puppies Tom, Marsupalami Tommy Jerry uh, yeah oh my god some of those guys could get into some stuff that I sometimes I sit back and go and I'm like. Where'd you get that hammer from? Yeah, where did, <laughs> did that come from behind you? You had it behind your back? Where is where that? does it where does a cat get a hammer yeah. to begin with? Yeah. It doesn't it, it doesn't even have thumbs. And I, I guess we don't have time whole... to take that apart because well, we'll be here all day picking the <laughs> stuff apart like next that. Month, next month we're doing the Tom and Jerry <laughs> special, so 365 days of Tom and Jerry. <laughs> That's the kind of thing you get on a podcast network for, I feel like. Watching yeah. Tom and Jerry for 365 days. Yeah. And so, <laughs> um, but uh, but so there were a few other things in, in here that I, that I really, really did like, despite maybe not getting all of it. Um, Leslie talked about the the little creepy grandparents, and I loved those guys so much. I wish they were in more of the movie. I want to see more of the creepy little grandparents or whatever their deal was, right? The little critters. The little the critters. Little cri- yeah, the little critters. The little, little uh, by the end, they're a little, uh, like, what, what, is it claymation? It was what it looks like. That's the way, the way it moves to me. Is that Yeah, what it was it kind of like stop motion, I guess, the way they did it, or sped up a little bit. Some kind of process to it. It's very cool. It's very cool. I like seeing that. It reminds me of Beetlejuice, which is a fun <laughs> memory to have. Jack, uh, Jack Leslie, have, you, have, you, have either of you uh, watched that four-hour Twin Peaks explainer? Have you, have you done that? <laughs> There's a no. f- there's a four hour Twin Peaks explain. I, st- I tried to watch. I got an hour and a half into it, and I was like, okay, man. man. <laughs> like the, the, does it include the new? Does it include the new season? Because I actually yeah. haven't watched yeah. yet. So my Twin Peaks. This is a. Uh, uh, I guess I'll never forgive my father for this, actually. But when I was growing up, my father told me that season two of Twin Peaks wasn't good and that I should just skip to um, Fire Walk with me. And now this season three came out and everyone's like, you can't watch it without season two. So I've just never watched season three because uh, I have to still go back and watch two. I've heard, my- I've heard season two does suck. That's why. That's why I've heard that. I feel like that's know, the general consensus that it, that it does suck. I feel like I have to go back now that there's a three though. You the know, the biggest like, mystery of all to me is uh, Jack's relationship with his parents and how different <laughs> it is from anyone I have ever known. <laughs> that, that is so. My mom and I got in a fight over Mulholland Drive. No, my mom and I got in a fight one time when I uh, pulled the zipper down on my pants and put my thumb through it and did the Beavis and Butthead laugh. <laughs> 
<laughs> I didn't realize it was supposed to be your penis. I just saw I never, it on Beavis and Butt. I never knew. I never knew my mom. She disappeared. I'm just, no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, but but there there are some themes in that Twin Peaks explainer that kind of. I guess makes it like the Lynch's use of smoke and fire and electricity and right. light and things like that. And I did notice that in Mulholland Drive uh, when uh, the cowboy scene and P.S. Lynch does this thing where he, I guess he didn't give the cowboy eyebrows to make it to make him more unsettling to the to the viewer. I didn't even notice it. I didn't notice that. I was no. watching it on a 480p bootleg of... Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just, but like, uh, that hat is kind of distracting from your eyebrows. That hat like sucks. A, I'm not going to know your eyebrow situation if you got bad a fit. On. Bad fit on the cowboy. But the, 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 the light flickers and stuff before before some stuff happens, and it's it's that's thematical throughout, I guess, you know, Eraserhead, Twin right. Peaks, and... Now Mulholland Drive, but probably all of his films, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Although with this one, as opposed to Eraserhead, he made it where you could hear stuff, which I thought was cool because you can't hear anything in Eraserhead because there's like a big machine screaming the whole time, which makes it more difficult to hear what's going on. But uh, but the cow the cowboy was the, there's so there's a few of those characters that seem to like stand out of time and out of the 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 path that everyone else is on you've got the you've got the cowboy uh you've got the neighbor who comes over and gives like a dire warning I, what, what was her i can't remember what her name is uh, uh yeah oh yeah uh, old like, psychic lady i believe is yeah, what she's referred yeah. to in the script yeah she comes so she comes over at some point and knocks on the door and says there's something wrong and i guess to that point the the mystery has been like who is this person and why is she in this apartment? Um, but obviously it, it's, it's like intoning towards something else, but there's a few of those. And then the, the, like we were talking about just saying, the grandparents as well also sort of stand apart because I calling them grandparents just cause they're old, which is fucked up. And it's not, that's not, some people can just be old. They don't have to have, <laughs> that's my fault. They're just old. And they, so the first time we see them, they're coming out of the airport um, and they seem like normal and nice. Like the you talk to somebody on the airplane. We've all been on airplanes and we love doing it and we love talking to strangers, right? Yeah, and I telling love them about our lives. Not only picking <laughs> oh, up my, my favorite, picking up my bags, but getting a cab with someone I happened to me- meet on yes. the airplane. Um, that was, the, <laughs> that, I think that was the first sign because in that real situation, the last thing you want to do is ever make eye contact with anybody you've ever been <laughs> on a plane with, uh, before. Like that's not what you want to do. You want to get out of their space as soon as possible before, especially if they're old, cause they're eventually going to say something about immigrants, uh, right. as long <laughs> as you're with them. And it's just better to keep that good memory and get away and from them. And they fucking possible. stink. Old people fucking stink. I mean, some of them do. Um, some of them do, yeah. But uh, some of them, I'm sure, are good people. But some of them do abso- absolutely reek like shit. <laughs> and some of them are very fine people. But some of them can't wash their assholes. <laughs> um. But you you see them and they're they're so they're talking um, to Betty out of the uh, the airport and then they the conversation goes on too long and I, this is what Mike was talking about you guys this is part of the dream scenario uh-huh. of wow we sure have been talking a long time and then everything's weird and the pauses yeah. are weird and we seem too happy with each other and stuff and that is that is maybe a little bit unsettling but it's so early in the movie that you think 
Oh, maybe uh, maybe Naomi Watts is just doing a bad. Or wait, is Naomi Watts right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yes. Maybe she's just doing a bad job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I also think that there's a funny element to this movie where you know people kind of uh, I think for the most part are coming into this movie with a, an awareness of who David Lynch is, mm-hmm. and so David, there's an element of this too where people are like, well, is this weird or is it just like is this a dream or is it David Lynch? Like, yeah. You're- and I think that David Lynch is almost having a little bit of fun with that in this movie. Uh, right. Uh, you know, with the sort of everyone knows what a Lynch movie is kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. Um, and that that was uh, having them get in the cab and make the scary face, I think, was very scary. <laughs> but and and this is this is true. I kept thinking the whole time. How do you get normal people to make that scary of a face? I don't know how <laughs> this is. That was like the first time I bought into like, wow, this guy's like a really good director. Because <laughs> how could you just sit down and tell someone who's 70 years old? Hey, look like you're fucking wiling out and just being uh, absolutely uh, nuts in your own brain and then just going, oh, yeah, I can do that. That's no problem. Got that After one. this, I have like a cat litter commercial I have to go do. And this is totally fine. I, I can't. How do you fucking tell somebody how to do that? <laughs> hey, by the way, on the on the thing of, uh, of how good a director David Lynch is, I was just reading right now as we were, as we were doing this about the uh, uh, the hobo lady. Uh, they guess like in the script they called her like the hobo, basically. Okay. So I'll use that term, which I think is not that, you know. Uh, uh, acceptable or whatever could be nicer. But, uh, uh, I guess you know what the, the Lynch found this woman, and uh, all the production wanted to like make a mask for this character, and it was going to be this character in a big mask. And Lynch was very specific about like, no, I want to see the bone structure, I want to see her green eyes, and like actually see this person like be able to see their face under all this moss and scabbing and everything like that. And so that's another example of I'm like Lynch like is knows what the fuck he's trying to do. You know what I mean? Right. Like she said, she didn't get very much direction on like what her character was supposed to be. And that's so interesting. It's like Lynch is not giving her this direction, but he is like with the actual like art direction and makeup of the character being like, Oh, I want you to be able to see the humanity in this person and see that it is a person and, uh, and maybe a beautiful woman actually right. like, uh, uh, with like, you know, a, a beautiful woman under all that. Uh, uh anyway, going and, back, and uh, guess uh, I just want to mention that. You have probably seen her in the film if you've watched the Nun series because she is the nun. Oh, really? She's the nun. The titular nun? Yes. The titular nun. The nun nun herself. Wow. In the Conjuring universe. Okay, so those are scary movies as well. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so she's... So she's nailed down the being a scary lady in a movie, and I think that's... (laughs) I think that's great. Pretty good. You know? Hell, it's 2019. Yeah. Um... So, uh, Mike, I'll be Krugers. You know what I mean? It's my time. It can't all just be no, Krugers out there. They can't. Freddy Krueger. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, enough with that guy. Have you seen some of the stuff that he's done? Uh, no, very thanks. fucked up. Very fucked up to young people. And also, you know, frankly, to be honest with you, Freddy Krueger's canceled for even before he did any of the dream <laughs> stuff because he's a pedophile guy. Right. Yeah. He's absolutely canceled. You know, he's a, he's a big time canceled can't be doing guy. that these days. You know? yeah. 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 And now looking yeah. at this woman, her name's Bonnie Aarons. And the reason she's been, you know, cast as a monster, you know, multiple times in Hollywood films is that she never got a nose job. That's it. That, she just has, she has yeah. her with a slightly big <laughs> nose. She's a yeah. very beautiful, stunningly beautiful woman, but she Absolutely, has her original yeah. nose, and so that makes her a monster by Hollywood standards. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get a new one installed. 
the new stuff they're coming well, I mean, out I, with. But I, I do think it is like notable that like so what Lynch is doing is he's like, oh, this is the dream of an actress who like feels wretched and like abandoned and unused, and, and so he's like, so now I'm going to find this woman who is a beautiful actress mm-hmm. who maybe just has one slight not like thing, thing that makes her look more distinctive than a normal actress, and like make her into this like scabbed out like monster. You know, he actually what he is doing with this real actress is like turning her like physically into this uh, manifestation of what's going on in uh, Diane's uh, dream. So that I I think that's a salient point, but I I do, I do wonder, and I think maybe you can attribute this to me being a stupid dumbass. I wonder (laughs) at what point is it part of the game of this stuff to ascribe intention to every conceivable choice that someone we perceive as an auteur has made. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like that's cyclical in a way. And I know that he talks, I mean, obviously outside of his work, outside of his direct work, he'll, he'll talk about stuff, but he's also not like overly willing to indulge like a lot of the theories and stuff. And he'll say, Oh yeah, well that was interesting or whatever. Like I read that someone had asked him, um, how did this, uh, obviously this started out as a pilot, like you guys were talking about, um, how did that, uh, influence or how did that change what ultimately you were going to do? Obviously you had to rewrite the characters and come up with an ending and all that kind of stuff. And he's like, yeah, well that's how it started out, but then it became something else. So the end, and he just yeah. like, doesn't, he just doesn't play into a lot of the stuff in in a, in a way different from what you're talking about earlier, Jack, um, yeah, he the people the 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 people who are in charge of the stuff that seem to really enjoy indulging the consumers, you know what I mean? He, Lynch won't tell the actors what the film is about. Naomi Watts yeah. still doesn't know. She told <laughs> she once said that she pretended like she figured it out in order to scam Lynch, but he didn't fall for it. So the people <laughs> in this movie still don't know because he just doesn't say. He just refuses to explain. I mean, he's taught he he's likes giving interviews, but when it comes to like really really direct questions about what this or that means especially mm-hmm. for Mahalan Drive in particular he just does not he just doesn't go there he wants you to have your own interpretation and look i think that that look it's a very it's an interesting thing because you know Lynch is an auteur, right? And I know that that term has taken on an annoying uh, context. And, you know, I think that the theory in general um, is not that good. And I even feel like people that we consider auteurs would say that that's an annoying theory because, like, what a director does is hire the people that they think are best to, like, execute this. So, of course, it is a team effort. It's just a team effort, like, with a person sort of at the helm. You know what I mean? But, like, this is a very, very collaborative process. Hundreds of people work on films and everything thing like that. But if you're going to talk about auteur theory, you know, uh, David Lynch is someone, I mean, honestly, all auteur theory means is like a director who has like a distinctive style. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I know that everyone, you know, uh, uh, but, you know, and so Lynch like fits that metric. Uh, um, but, you know, I, I think that Lynch is also someone who like believes a little bit in the death of the author and does believe that like artistic works are like meant to be left to be interpreted by uh, the reader or the person who's experiencing them. You know what I mean? Like, it's almost like like 
you know, if Lynch were to come out and be like, it was a dream and this and that, and the other thing, like that actually steals like what the experience of experience in the work is, yeah, and uh, he, you know what I mean? Like, like exper- uh, experiential It's about how you feel, not necessarily intellectualizing and figuring out which pieces go there. What does this mean? And that's another thing that separates him from a David, from a Lindelof, you know, who doesn't like expect people to feel anything that he just, other than like all at, like all the Easter eggs he leaves and the name of the giant blue dildo is to say is a hint towards her <laughs> husband being secretly um, Captain Dr. Dr. Manhattan. Manhattan and all this other like inconsequential bullshit that has absolutely positively nothing to do with the human experience while David Lynch he's only concerned with making you feel something about uh, the human experience and I think maybe with Mulholland Drive is something is the argument is kind of like Dreams can be more real than reality is some kind of ontological argument that you can uh, come up with, but he's never going to tell you. Right. Yeah. And do, do you think, do you think that because he's never going to tell us, do you think it's fair to wonder if he knows? And if that is fair to wonder if he knows, um, or if he doesn't, if he, if he actually in fact does not know what it's all about, to the extent that that makes any sense to ask that question, does that make it any less good? Does that make it any less enjoyable? Does it make it any less valid something to watch or to do or to perform or anything like that? I don't know. It's tough because it's like, you know, uh, uh, you know, I, I think it's all about like whether, you know, you can create a work that like is intriguing to people and that like keeps people entertained for the full two hours. You know right. what I mean? Like, I don't necessarily like I, I think that maybe you're right that like, you know, because of this sort of auteur theory, you know, uh, we're willing to sort of like ascribe intentionality like where it doesn't exist. But then I'm also like, if you can watch something and if someone, you know, is able to sort of like tap into like a, you know, undercurrent id or something like that uh, uh, and create a work that is open to interpretation and can allow people to like lead themselves to all these different kinds of thoughts and everything like that, then I'm like, well, then I don't know that it matters that it was intentional. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like if matters. you've created like a palette for people yeah. to, to, you know, to, to take themes away from it and everything like that, like that is, you know, that's close, that pretty close to what art is. Although I also do think a lot of this stuff was intentional. As yeah. Well. But with, like the example you came up with, with the actress, um, playing the scary woman, whether that's intentional or not, it doesn't matter. It doesn't because it, it could be subconscious even for Lynch, right? Because he's right, right. like so, and so like it doesn't really matter whether it's, it's intentional or not. It's an interpret valid interpretation to come with that aspect of the film with, and I think that's really the thing that matters. If I can read a, a review real quick, this sure. says. Uh, Hollywood is the city of dreams, wet dreams. <laughs> this twisted David Lynch, this is from MrSkin.com. Oh. <laughs> David Lynch masterwork follows hot, hot Naomi Watts as an aspiring wow. actress and yeah. is a head scratcher for, for both heads. <laughs> oh, I'm scratching my penis head because of this yeah. movie. I would suggest. Yeah. I'm doing both at the same time. I'm actually jacking off and scratching my head all at once. <laughs> I would posit that more people have seen at least scenes from this film on Mr. Skin yeah. than have watched oh, it yeah. on the Criterion. Seen the film. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Oh yeah. This is a Mr. Skin classic. I mean, it just is. <laughs> it's a, it's rated, I think at five stars hall of fame. Nudity, it says, is, so, it, yeah. this is, is this in the yeah. Mr. Skin hall of fame hall for real? Fame, oh, wow. Yeah. Let oh, me ask you a question. I don't know if there's, uh, do you think that there's any movie that has 
both as much, you know, sort of legit merit and actual cred and Mr. Skin cred. <laughs> is there another film that you can think kind of, of writing both blue sides? Blue is the warmest color. Did people? Yeah, like- blue is the warmest color. Might be the only like close one. I'm but gonna, yeah, like I'm gonna say one, and I, and I just want to preface this by saying I have not seen the film. But I had heard about the film. Is does Vicky Cristina Barcelona on this list? Because I haven't seen it. Isn't, I haven't seen it. Isn't isn't that Mike? Isn't there sort of isn't there like a hot threesome in that movie? Check it out on Mister. Don't look up anything else. I Just feel look like, up Mister. Like, eyes, like, eyes, eyes wide shut. One star. Eyes wide shut. Eyes wide shut. No nudity. Vicky Ooh, Cristina Barcelona. What? Oh, are they just Polly? Wow. Woody Allen's Golden Glo- All right, we're not going to read this fucking. Yeah. I didn't know it was a. I didn't it's know a it was Woody a, Allen. I didn't know it was a Woody but Allen. But people fucking. If you're talking about no. stuff that critic people, oh, I've seen Vicky. You know what I'm talking about is things that would appear both on the Mister. Skin Top 100 and the AFI Top 100. <laughs> oh, that's okay. what I'm talking about. That could be a whole episode. I think we. If we there can call that's February for us. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but like the the the, I, and I agree with what you're saying. I I, I th- it's obvious because of the fact that I think one of the things you can point to when you're trying to figure out like is this on purpose or how much of this is on purpose uh, is there. There's a technical proficiency here that there isn't in a lot of other things like. Like, I guess what else gets the sort of treatment of like, oh, what could this mean or how can I interpret this or whatever? Um, I mean, the 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 logical endpoint of that is like the the fucking thing that happened this week where the guy taped the banana on the wall. And I don't want to yeah. sound like a total Philistine because I'm not in the art world and I don't understand anything about art. I also don't care. I would love to, <laughs> I like when people draw my little face like I, that, I don't yeah. care about anything else. But they they put the banana up there and it's worth a whole bunch of money and then a guy eats the banana or whatever and now everyone's talking sure. about it that to me is sort of the absurd endpoint of wow some people are getting something out of this there must be something to it and i don't know how I don't to actually distinguish, agree you know? with that I, I i don't think that anyone is getting anything out of that i think that this art i truly don't i think that this art basil banana is like the artist if anything is making a comment on like how uh modern art is like a like you know cash uh uh like stock a way, a way to store cash for rich people or something right. like that like i think that's about the extent of uh the artistic uh uh you know uh, uh message that they're trying to get across with the banana tape the wall which is fine a lot of modern art makes that fucking point you know what i mean sure. like banksy did the stupid fucking thing that like automatically shredded itself as soon as it was uh you know for auction and everything like that so i think it has very little more to say than that uh, i think even that it was for sale like gets that said mm-hmm. and i do think it was funny and cool that the guy pulled it off the wall and ate it you know what i mean right. like i think that if you make an artistic statement that's as flimsy as taping a banana to a wall <laughs> someone's gonna rip it off the wall like that's that's why you have to like be a better artist like David Lynch. Yeah. Yeah. Although I could eat this movie. Like I don't think it would be <laughs> I think I could. I think I could now there's no there's I guess DVDs and they're not around anymore, but I think you you give me something you give me a zip drive of this movie or whatever, I think I'm choking this bad boy down no problem. Hey, speaking of uh Banksy real quick, did you see there's a somebody retweeted a Bet Midler post. Did you see that? I did see that on the topic of art. Yes. <laughs> no, Jesus. She's yeah, in I a did museum see that. Or whoever, her, whoever does her social media is in a museum and she's taken, <laughs> she's posted a photo of these three young girls, which is, yeah. which is uh, well, all right. Highly <laughs> sus. Yeah. <laughs> and they're looking at their cell phones in a museum of all places. And, and she, <laughs> oh my and Lord. She posted, What's wrong with this picture? 
Like, right. shut the fuck up. Yeah. yeah. Just go about your life. Here's the thing. Yeah. You know how many pieces of art I can fit on my phone, you <laughs> dumb old broad? I know. They were, looking at, they were looking at all the art in the world, you fool. <laughs> you fool. Do you know how many fucking colors this thing can display? Yeah. Like do millions. You, do, you, do you have any idea? Maybe all three of those young girls had searched for art on Google Image Search <laughs> and were just scrolling through, seeing all the art they could see. <laughs> so taken in by art and their love for art at the museum that they're like, they need to see all of it. And right they, now, and then they see Bette Midler's post, and then they lose that. I know. They they Ugh. lose that desire. That I hate art. I'm gonna art. have to. I'm gonna turn to a, go work a life of crime. Yeah, <laughs> and I hate Bette Midler too. Now I'm not able to enjoy the many works of <laughs> Bette Midler. What the Sisterhood of Traveling Pants? Was she in that? Terrible. That's yeah. no. That's you hocus f- pocus. Did you just fucking <laughs> on this fucking movie episode on this movie wow. podcast? Did you fucking confuse the Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants and the fucking first? Yeah. Not so easy to jump into this uh, movie podcast well, game, is it? We have completely shown our ass, yes. <laughs> you have fed us our own lunch. Um, this is, uh, so the, the last time we did this, we did Eraserhead, and Mike, what did we rate Eraserhead out of? What was the, the thing that we used? I do not remember. The farcical conceit we used to display our, our pleasure on a scale. I mean, who even does that? We do. Um, I think we did like little diarrhea chickens, I think is what we did on that yeah. one. I'm not sure. People will check us on this. Um, but if you'd like to rate Mulholland Drive, what do you think Mulholland Drive should be rated out of, Mike? We can, Mr. What did Mr. Skin do? Let's start there. Uh, Always Mr. start there. Mr. Skin gave Mulholland Drive four stars. And they do stars. They do stars, yeah. You'd think they do mm. like hard penises I'm or something. I'm really yeah. surprised they just do stars. Tr- that seems like a wasted and opportunity. And the traditional four yeah. star format. They haven't added the fifth star. A lot of people add that yeah. fifth star. They, oh, it's four out of four. Yeah, four out of four. So they're traditionalists over there at uh, Mr. Skin. Naomi's yeah, legendary like masturbation scene allegedly took more than ten takes. We'd love to see what was left on the cutting room floor. Just fucking nasty. That's such a vile way to talk about anyone. <laughs> should, that, the website yeah. should be disallowed. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what's a, what's a, what's a good uh, artifact here uh, from the film? Um, Maybe the blonde wigs. Maybe blonde wigs because that's... There's a lot of blonde in this, yeah. Blonde wigs is good, yeah. I like that. There's a lot of blonde wigs in this and that... There's a lot of blonde in the... Uh, have you seen the trailer for the Fox News movie? <laughs> oh, man. No. Oh, man. No. They shouldn't have done that. That's an irresponsible fucking movie. They're making all the Fox News anchors and doing like a girl power movie about all of them, <laughs> like, like standing up against like uh, Roger Ailes. Truly fucked up. It's like Charlize Theron as like Megan uh, uh, Kelly. Yes. It's like very bad. Yeah. White supremacist superheroes, finally. <laughs> a very <laughs> strange uh a very strange idea for a film i thought yeah yeah i thought so too um yeah you probably wanted to see the next if i know you you probably wanted to see uh let's see batman versus godzilla that's probably what oh, you wish would, that's what you wish was coming and, out and, and, and if i know you <laughs> I'd, I'd think that you probably want to watch the winter soldier meets brian from family Guy. <laughs> yeah. holy shit could you imagine <laughs> i think the, i think all those guys were at Sly Stallone's house watching the fight this weekend <laughs> wasn't brian from family guy in the back <laughs> that shot. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, so, uh, Mike, go ahead. Give me your rating on this for on on blonde wigs. And if you want to do it, Mr. Skin Style, and go out of four. I say, why not? Yeah, I would. I would give it 
two and a half blonde wigs. Two and a half blonde wigs. So even, it though right it's out of, even though it's out of four, you're still going with half. So kind of spitting in everyone's face <laughs> on that. <laughs> Because yeah. doesn't really make sense. Okay, two and a half blonde wigs out of four. Okay, that's that's solid. That's good. I don't think that's as good as your rating. I'll give for it two and a half blonde wigs and a blue key. Okay, very okay. That's good. All right. So how much is a key in wigs? <laughs> I don't know. It's all it's all made up. It's a mystery. It's man. a dream, Jack. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I, I was doing I transcendental meditation. To be honest and with you, uh, when Lynch uh, uh, compared the blue key to the wigs, I actually thought that there was a lot of connection there between uh, what yes. life is like in Hollywood. So yes, that makes absolutely. a lot of sense to me. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> How about you guys? What do you think about this? Um, I gotta give this <clears throat> four wigs out of four. I mean, oh wow. Wow. wow! People are calling this a masterpiece. It is on the Criterion Collection. I watched it on the Criterion Channel, um, which means, by you know definition, it is a great, perfect um, film. I think you guys are trying to stand against a Criterion, know, right? Like, <laughs> oh my god, that's the f- one of many mistakes you've already made <laughs> on this show. Oh, oh, that's a that's an early filmer <laughs> yeah. mistake. Uh, <laughs> what is, uh, if you're a filmer, you know that when the C comes out that means yes. that this is one you just have to say that's a good one that's yeah. a filmer movie and the 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 packaging on the dvd is probably like thicker too which is like what is i know i don't have the criterion channel of course i have a uh, goop tv uh, i just watch all of the foot <laughs> goops with jade eggs and stuff but oh my god what is the what is the worst movie on the criterion channel oh that's a good question it's probably um okay. It will be Armageddon. It will be Armageddon because it's not on the channel yet, but it's in the collection. So it's going to be Armageddon. I don't know. Is that really in the Criterion collection? Yes. I wonder why it is. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. What is the reasoning behind that? Is it the song? <laughs> uh, probably some money changed hands. I don't know. You think it was because it was such a cultural phenomenon I think it was when between it came this out? and Bad Boys, and they had, they had <laughs> to put one in. Maybe The Rock. I don't know, but they went with Armageddon. Armageddon. So that That's will so weird. it will eventually be the worst movie on there. I don't know what the worst one is right now. They don't have that much. It's all like foreign stuff now for the most part. Oh, is it? Yeah. Um they don't have much uh, um, crappy American movies that we have to pretend to like. Uh yet yeah. Armageddon fucking stinks <laughs> to me. And that truly is one of my Leslie, least favorite. Are you songs? sure? It's not on their list on the website. Maybe they removed it. Maybe they finally uh Is it deep blue sea? No, no, it's definitely in the Criterion collection. Oh my you can God. go to Cri- Oh, I see it. It's fucking here. God damn it. Why'd they do that? <laughs> they didn't even make right, like a new it. logo right. for it or anything. Like it's the yeah, same logo right of <laughs> Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I will say I'll uh, I'll leave Jack for the Justin throw hammer spot. I think to me, because I don't want the last thing people hear is me saying that I got to I got to give it one wig out of four. I don't I didn't like it. It wasn't fun to watch (laughs) and I didn't know what was going on. Now, if I I think if you applied that to anything else. You uh-huh. would be you would be justified in saying that's a F yeah. because if you if you sit down and you try to have a nice pizza dinner and <laughs> you think the pizza tastes bad and the whole time you're eating the pizza, you're like looking at your phone because you are <laughs> bored and you can't figure out how to put the pizza in your mouth. Then you're going to say, I will not order from here again. Yeah. And I think people would say you are justified in that. But suddenly when it's but a my I honestly, think, I honestly a think that if you couldn't pizza. figure out. What if it's a Lynchian <laughs> pizza? 
I I have to say that I think that if you can't figure out how to put the pizza in your mouth, <laughs> that that it is it is the fault of, of the you. pizza He's eater. There. It's the pizza He's eater's there. fault. There, yeah. That's fair. That's fair. But that's that's my rating, and I got to stick to it. I have to have a backbone with this stuff, just like the many fine ladies at the Fox News Corporation. <laughs> I'm standing up for what I believe in, which is that this movie was not a very fun pizza to eat. And how many what, how many wigs do you give it? It's one wig out of four <laughs> wigs. Okay, okay. Now look, here's my thing. Um, you read a quote from the Mr. Skin website not too long ago that had a sort of very lascivious and I would say disgusting description mm. of how many takes Naomi Watts had to do uh, featuring, uh, you know, for the, uh, I believe the term you used was masturbation blasting scene. Her, and, blasting her being, yeah. Yeah, and so listen... Um, in some ways, I, 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 I was really appalled to watch all of you rate this movie using the four system that is used on Mr. Skin. Uh, <laughs> so I personally, because I love this film, will be giving it a far more respectful five wigs oh, out wow. of five. <laughs> I guess I would say five wigs out of four would actually make a, a stronger statement. Because but I would, never, I would never have it be out of four, because that's what the, the folks over at Mr. Mr. Skin yeah. do, and yeah. I don't stand with that Look, Mr. You Skin You just stuff. don't respect so movie five history out of five. you don't respect Mr. Skin. I'm sorry to say, Jack. We differ Think about that. how much work goes into that. Is, <laughs> yeah, that, I know. is that not completely... I mean, who's, who's, be who's serious. The, who's, who's the Jimmy Wales... Who is the Jimmy Wales behind Mr. Skin? Yeah. Who is Mr. Skin I'm, himself? Who, who cares about the Federalist? Who's funding Mr. Skin. I, I, I need to know. And they're so on top of it. They tell you the new scenes before the movies are coming out, folks. That's how <laughs> there's a mall. They yeah, yeah. They give you notifications. They're they're, they're they yeah, update. They they're 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 on Twitter. They they're responsive because I think one of I think one of our our listeners said something because we mentioned them before, and one of our listeners mentioned we, we were reading some of the most vile Mr. Skin reviews of all time, and they replied, <laughs> and they were like, "Hey, what's up?" It's like, "Fuck <laughs> off, dude." What was the one you? I think one of them was I can't remember all of them. No, we did. Uh, we uh, the not is it the room or room? I which one is the one with the the lady and her son? Room. That's the, room. I think it's room. Yeah. Okay. So that one was on there, and that's horrible. And I the other one we read, I think I think the other one we read was Twelve Years a Slave. Wasn't that the other one we read? That no, was it. Was also uh, Jesus. What was the Spielberg concentration camp movie? That's also on there. Oh, oh yeah. Well, that Schindler's <laughs> List is on there. Hey, I put that on Spielberg. He shot that scene too sexy. I really do, actually. And he makes the violence too cool in that movie, too. I really think. I really do think. I've not seen it. Schindler's is a little too Hollywood. It's a little too Hollywood. <laughs> I've just seen the clips uh, on Mr. Skin. That's, Mr. All Skin yeah. That's all I've seen. That's all I've seen. I don't know. Seemed good from that. Um, guys, thank you so much for uh, joining us and giving us some knowledge and information and context for the film. I feel like I've reached a greater level of understanding of why someone would like it. I don't know if I, I don't know if I necessarily can answer my wife. If she asked me later, what was the movie about? I still don't think I'm sure. going to be able to answer that question, but I think I will be able to say, you know what? My friends liked it. And mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. they got a lot out of it and I hope to get there someday, perhaps at the end of the 12 Davids of Lynchmas, I will have reached a plane of existence that allows for understanding uh, simple uh, themes in movies. Um, and you can also tell her that Mr. Skin gave it four stars. I will <laughs> leave with that, obviously. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, can you get Plex to, to show you the Mr. Skin ratings? <laughs> oh, wow. You know it has like yeah. IMDb, but. <laughs> <laughs> and it does. You can get it set up where it'll play you like the theme of the, yeah, the TV like show. The or, yeah, yeah. Like that. that would be kind of a great way to go is just have <laughs> the scene is just somebody's like moaning in the background while you're scrolling you could, down you, Plex. Trying to find something to watch it. If you could sort by Mr. Skin ratings <laughs> on your Plex. <laughs> There's no reason that can't happen. <laughs> the APIs exist. The yeah. APIs absolutely exist. It's out there. Um, can't thank you guys enough uh, for doing it. Obviously, listen to Struggle Session, the fabulous podcast, uh, and watch Jack AM. Anything else you guys would like to uh, promote on our little show? No, that's uh, that's about yeah, the long and short of it. Thanks yeah, for having thank us, you guys. Having this was a lot of fun. Thank you so much, guys. Have a good weekend. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, talk to you soon. Bye-bye.